podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Capella University, education is as smart as the world around us. With the FlexPath format, you can take classes at your own pace, set your own deadlines, and even leverage your previous experience to move faster. Now that's smart. Learn more at capella.edu. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Welcome to the Midweek Fix with me, Jamie Home, in what feels like the longest international break in history. The good news is the Reds will be back next, well, at the weekend, and we will be watching some proper football yet again. Quick shout out to the sponsor of the Midweek Fix, that's footballprizes.co.uk. And yet again, the lads have nailed it. This week, they have a custom-made, signed and framed Virgil van Dijk and Trent Alexander-Arnold jersey together in the same frame. There are 125 tickets available. The offer ends next Wednesday. It's only 9.95 to enter. And this week, they have made a special discount code available for our listeners. That will be 10% off at checkout with the code LFCDT10. It's a cracking prize, so do go check it out. Now, off the back of last week's show, where we focused on Steven Gerrard, we're going to continue the theme of greatness for tonight. And we're going to look at a range of topics. And the lads have no idea about these topics. I didn't want them to research. I just wanted them to give us their gut reaction to a range of topics about the greatest of Liverpool. Now, joining me tonight is Gav, Steve-O and Jonathan. Delighted to say, Steve, after nearly two years, we get to do a podcast together, uh, t- together my friend. You look fantastic as always. <laughs> Good to be back. Good to be back, Jamie. Thanks for having me on, mate. No worries. My hair's starting to mirror yours a little bit now, mate, since we last you did. Just, you need to back home with the hairdryer to get the lift in it. That's the thing. <laughs> is that what it is? Okay. I'm new to this. I'm new to this. Jonathan, good to, have you. good to have you join us, mate. How have you been uh, coping with lockdown? All right? Uh, yeah, all good. All good. Thanks for having me on, guys. No worries at all, pal. Great to have you. Gav, I feel yeah. like with the with the theme of the greatest, you're just going to answer John Barnes to pretty much every single question that I ask you. Is that fair? John Barnes and I, 100%. It's John Barnes and I. Um, and every answer is John Barnes. Yep, okay. 100%. T- totally fair. That's the end of the post. Thank The podcast is done, everybody. Thank you very much. And good night. Everyone Gav off the war zone. <laughs> That's it. Go play some war zone. Um, so we're going to start, right? First question that I want to come around the room. And it's pretty much on the theme of what Gav has just been talking. Um, There's a lot of chat that's been going on in our Discord group. Lots of questions being fired in for the lads. And we're going to start with probably um, the, the most broad of the topics. And that is Liverpool's greatest ever player. And as Gav, we kind of, I think, know your answer to this question. I'm going to come to you first. I didn't know you were going to say greatest ever player. Um, I think I think it's hard to pick that, um, simply because 
a lot of us are working on video footage. Um, you know, like people will talk about Sunes, Daglish, um, Emlyn Ewes. They, they go right back. They go right, right back. Um, but, but when I think of who I think is the best Liverpool player I've seen, it's John Barnes. And it always has been. And, you know, like people, it all depends when you're born, isn't it? Because like, if you're born in 95, you haven't seen, you've, you haven't seen that, you haven't seen any of John Barnes really at Liverpool. He leaves in 97, I think. But, you know, your, your hero is probably Robbie Fowler. You know, um, if you're born 10 years earlier, your, your hero is probably, could be Barnes, could be Rush. You know, you don't know. But, but for me, um, you know, I guess later for this because they go, what about Suarez? What about this? What John Barnes? It was fucking unbelievable as a footballer. And I'm born in 82. Um, you know, John Barnes arrives at Liverpool in 87. And he's the first player I remember. He genuinely, like my first memory of Liverpool is the 86 Cup final. And the only reason I remember it is because all my, all my mother's side of the family were Liverpool fans. So, you know, you'd, you'd be, on FA Cup day, you'd be probably up in the, in the, in the granny's house. And, and if Liverpool were on, you know, especially in a cup final, they were all there and it's just embedded in your brain. So 86, the 86 cup final, but John Barnes just, you know, when, do you know when you see kids nowadays and they see something amazing and their eyes widen, it's like, what is going on here? That was what I was like with John Barnes, the pace, the power, um, the aerial ability, the skill, the finishing, the, the assist. He had everything, Jamie. He had, he had fucking everything. And, and I look at players nowadays and, and they say to me, oh, well, he's the greatest ever. Look, I, I don't, I'd, I'd, he, I'd hesitate to even guess how much John Barnes would be worth in today's market because he had the lot. Like, if you look at him, 87, 88, you know, they, that team tears English football apart. It tears English football apart. 88, 89, you know, there's circumstances there that affect Liverpool and, and fine. But then he's a winger. He's a left winger, but he's, he's scoring with his right foot, left foot headers. He had, to, he had everything. And then when, you, then you see him go centre forward, I think in 89, 90, I think it was. And I think he gets 25 goals. And it just shows, just put him anywhere. He was that good. And, you know, we, the other lads will have a word on John Barnes, I'm sure. But for me, the best player I've ever seen play for Liverpool to this day is still John Barnes. Steve, Chris Brack makes a good point. He says, does the team a player played in impact their greatness? I.e. Daglish and Barnes played in wonderful teams. Gerard played in some average sides, but still won us stuff. Do you think that's a fair comment? And, and who would your player be if you had to pick? Yeah, I, th- I think it's a perfectly fair comment. Um, I think John Barnes is a great shout for lots of people who watch them. Um I'm the same age as Gav, but I didn't get the pleasure of, of seeing him as much because as I got to sort of six... I moved away for a few years and just the Premier League coverage and anything like what it is now. So I came back in 91, moved away in 88, came back in 91. And you could kind of say he was, I won't say he was on the wane at that point, but definitely those late 80s uh, years was, you know, Kenny was still managing. That had an impact on him being a phenomenal player. Of course, he brought natural ability with him, but he came into one, if not the best team in Europe. He made it better. Um, and and was a phenomenal player. But, you know, as soon as comes in, Barnes' capabilities, his injuries, whatever else, they're all on the wane. So so for me, it's Steven Gerrard because I look at some of the dog shit that he was surrounded by at times um, compared to the really top Liverpool sides, probably being harsh saying dog shit, but, but average average to, to higher-end average players. And, and he still had such an impact on that side. And... I, I was lucky enough to see him play in 
some really big games. I got to the 2006 FA Cup final and was behind the goal when he when he scored that that fucking last minute strike to bring it to extra time. And yeah, just just for a player to to pull us through, I don't think. I don't think our current generation appreciate him enough yet, maybe. Or some people will, some people won't. I think in another 10 years, when we're in the Sooness category of, of time having passed on or the Barnes category of time having passed on, maybe more people will really see. You you put Steven Gerrard into this current Liverpool side and he'd, he'd still probably be the best player in the, in the team. You know, he was just that good. He had everything. Um, and And he, you know, despite his... You know his his little wobble when he wanted to go to Chelsea for a couple of months. Um, really, it's it's a player that came up through the ranks, stayed with us pretty much his entire career. And and really, let's be honest, he should have retired with us if Brendan Rodgers had done it right. He would have retired with us as well. Um, so yeah, for me, for me, it's Stephen Gerrard. We've we've been lucky enough to be graced by some amazing footballers at this club. But in the time I've supported and and for what he did and and for how he pulled us through games. Yeah, Stephen Gerrard. Jonathan, do you think there's a, a question in, around longevity in how that plays into this debate? Because I know from my own perspective, you know, if you're looking at greatest ever player, I, I'm, I'm not going to disagree, certainly with Steve-O. I, I agree with him. Um, I think Stephen Gerrard is, is our greatest player. But I'm cloud, clouded by the years that I saw. Obviously, I wasn't exposed to Kenny too much. Um, the, the, the likes of John Barnes, only a little bit when I was younger. If you said to me the same question in a slightly different way, who's the most talented, I would be talking about Luis Suarez. But the fact that he didn't stay at the club for so long, and I think he only won, I think it was a League Cup. Do you think that there's questions around the longevity when when we have this type of debate? And who would your player be? Well, I definitely think there has to be, because look, take Suarez as an example. That that season is probably the best as a, a personal achievement in terms of what the... Again, I think it's something that the guys touched on there. I think it is going to be a year's time before we realise and watch back just how good he was because he was just ridiculous. Like talking about possibly the best player in the world at the time. And I think I will stand over and fight that argument with anybody because he was just ridiculous. Like some of the work rate that you go, he would sit in, he would come out the wing, you'd match up with storage. Sometimes he would play up front, he'd go in the wing, he'd put a graft, put a graft in. But he was just out of this world. But he didn't do it long enough for, for, for Liverpool. Like he came in, he came into Liverpool as kind of you know under the, the the shadow of Torres leaving. He was quite poor for a while. Like his finishing at the start was was all over the place. Um, I remember even people some cribbing when he came back after the first long time. He came on. I can't remember who he played at Anfield, but it was a draw. And he came on, and I think he missed even you know half an hour. Typical Suarez. He missed four or five big opportunities. He wasn't a great finisher at the time. He turned in, and yeah, there, there was a lot of talk actually about him not being a natural finisher. There was, yeah, because he was that street fighter that he would you know he'd bowl his way through that that jink him kind of slam runs through the penalty area so many times, but he would just more often than not he would just blast it anywhere or you know it was just the calmness came a little bit then and I suppose Rodgers does have to get a little bit of credit for that he definitely took his game to the next level but if you're talking about Liverpool legends and you know to be in the discussion of some of the players that's been mentioned in the last five ten minutes or so he's he's nowhere really near that in my mind yes it was a flash of brilliance and I think you have to factor in his behaviour he's been a little bit I suppose tetchy and you know cynical and a bit of blind kind of Liverpool bias but his behaviour on the Barcelona ties in particular, I thought, was 
a little bit kind of uncalled for, but I guess that's that's the stories that that's his personality. Maybe he can't change it, but it definitely impacted. And you know, as as much as many memories I have of being on the cop the night in for the Barcelona game, one of the surreal kind of the atmosphere and everything goes goes with that. Part of it is me going, a player that we idolised, being told, fuck off Suarez for the whole of Anfield for a while as well. You know, a player that was done so much in not only a couple of years previous as well. So I think you got to factor into that. If you're talking about me and my Liverpool legend, greatest ever player, it is Gerard as well. I'll, I'll be definitely jumping on that bandwagon. Like it's, but that's a, probably a personal story as well. I remember my first game. It was at the end of when Julier had just taken over that first season where he started off with himself and Roy Evans in charge and Julier took over at the end of the season. It was my first game over there. It was a Tottenham game, a 3-2 victory towards the end of that season. And without going all old man, this was different times. We didn't have the same coverage we have. We didn't have the same exposure to the academy. So I have to confess, I'd never even heard of Gerard, who Gerard was before before that until I saw him that day. He came over two nil down at half time. He came on at half time. I remember seeing who's this young lad come on into the course of the game from from right back. And like I suppose this you know, got the, the old child has got to got to meet him afterwards, got the autograph. That was the days where you could go over and, and jump on the players as they came out of the side of Anfield there. And I suppose there was a personal tale to me and you know, emotional attachment with that. But what Gerard achieved over the length of his career in various positions. And I think you only have to look at, you know, former pros and stuff like that. And so many people, so many former players that have played for other clubs and, you know, might have trained with him in England or whatnot. They'll all reference Gerard as the best they ever saw. And I think, I think the longevity of that, the, what he achieved, yes, you know, he had that little flirt, but in terms of the commitment, what he gave to the whole Liberal cause over such a long period and ultimately got shafted by Roy and you know it should it should have stayed but still came back in the coaching role and gave a bit more back and I still have to we still don't play a blinder for the England under 21s earlier on but even small things the focus and the, the development he gave and that extra boost that he gave to Jones in that short space of time as well someone that's always given back to the club and it's a conversation for another day we'll probably get back more in years to come but for me the greatest ever for me personally is he will always be Stephen Gerrard now I'm going to come to the next topic, right? And I'm going to come to and Gav. But before I jump onto the next topic, you're still sticking with John Barnes, Stephen Gerrard over John Barnes. No, we can't swear you. Yeah, yeah. I'll, t- I'll tell you why. Um, uh, don't get me wrong, Gerrard. Like like uh, Steve all said, he he was surrounded by average players, some very very poor players, and and at times some absolutely amazing players as well. In fairness, um, and John Barnes came, did come into an era where Liverpool were in that. Yeah, they were still in that pump, you know. But what what kills? I always feel John Barnes is underrated as a footballer because he didn't get to play in Europe for Liverpool. I think if he gets, I think if he gets eighty seven to ninety one four seasons in Europe, he goes down easily as one of the players that you just uh, people around the world reminisce about all the time. I think that that hurts his reputation a little bit because he, you didn't get to see him on that sort of stage. I think he's treated badly by England. Um, through the course of his English career, um, you know the abuse he gets um, from English fans, from from people in grounds at league games and and around the country, um, you know, it wasn't fair on him, um, but it was something he had to take at the time, and thankfully that has you know well we say it's got better. I don't know how much better it's got, but he has to endure that as well as a very high profile player at the time. But yeah, still for me, like don't get me wrong, you know, 
Gerard Olympiacos goals Istanbul the FA Cup um, or the FA Cup final he's, he's done so so much but I still think um, the player that made me made me kind of on the edge of my seat and just was in awe of him and everything he done yeah it, was, it will always be for me John Burns and will be for a long long time Steve oh Jonathan yep. makes a good put in the chat. He says, not much of a mention for Salah so far, champion. All this week on NBC4, new products to new technology. Susan Hogan is showing you how local restaurants are changing the way we dine in and take out in this new world. Tonight at 6. A new twist on outdoor eating. A lot of it is creating flexibility. How one local restaurant is making their outdoor space mobile, giving you plenty of sunshine and social distance for a stress-free meal. It's all part of restaurant revitalization. Tonight at 6 on NBC4, working for you. Champions League and Premier League winner. It's mad how Mo never gets into these type of conversations, or do you just think it's just a case of being a little bit too early for him? Yeah, I, I do. I do, because it's it's three, well, it's what, four seasons now he's been there. And that's that's my problem. Xabi Alonso could be in, in that conversation as well as a, as a phenomenal people. I saw people putting up Van Dijk and... It's just too early for them. When you, when I'm talking about a footballer who literally had, what, 16 years, 15, 16 years at the club, and, you know, somebody mentioned their League Cup final goal, UEFA Cup final goal, Champions League Cup final goal, FA Cup final goal, and he should have been, let's be honest, he should have been he should have been lifting a, a Premier League trophy in 13, 14 as well. That's, that's impo- for me, that's impossible to beat, even by John Barnes. Uh, you know, I can't comment on Kenny Dalglish, and it's so, it's just a different game. It, it's just a different game in the last 20 years to what it was before. I'm not doubting his ability. You can only play the opposition that's in front of you and all those things, but it's the same comment around Pele versus Messi and Ronaldo now. You know what I mean? It's it's chalk and cheese in a way. So, so yeah, for, for me... Gav, Gav hasn't in any way turned my head. It's still Stevie Gerrard. And, and that's, down to, that's down to longevity. It's down to his achievements. It's down to him captaining, captaining the side and, and, and dragging us through some pretty tough times when we were, when we were average. And, and listen, you know, that, that to me has a lot of, that, that holds a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of stead for me. So, so Mo, yeah, listen, Mo, Mo is top goal scorer for us winning another league in, in next year or whatever it might be. Then, yeah, he's definitely in the conversation. He's a phenomenal footballer, and and man, it's, I'm sorry, people, people, you know, I keep on seeing it over the last 12, 14 weeks. People in, before matches, Michael Owen, Ian Wright, whoever it might be, talking about Mane, how he's such a danger, and Salah just isn't in the conversation before games, and it's he's our only he's our only lethal goal scorer this season. So yeah, he's a phenomenal footballer and deserves to be in the conversation, but. He's he's on a different level to the likes. He's of on. He's, he's for me. Salah's on a different level to Suarez. Like I get like the thirteen and fourteen thing with Suarez was was <laughs> scandalous. What he was at, right? Um, yeah. Like I, I bundling his way through setting up. Got it, it was amazing to watch. It was. It, it do you know what? It's still probably up there. It's probably the most exciting season I've had genuinely because it was mad. It was like one it, end it, of the pitch you got Suarez, the other end of the pitch you got Ali Sissoko. Only yeah, it was thing. it was crazy. <laughs> I have to remember, he, like, missed eight, first, he missed the first number of games. Five games. Season. He missed the first five. Yeah. But, but but the thing is like. 18, 19 was, was some race between us and City. We, we storm it in, in 19, 20, right? But 13, 14 was just insane. And Suarez was out of this world. But when you look back, I don't, I can't in any way see how you would put Luis Suarez above 
Mo Salah in, in rankings of great Liverpool players in when we talk if we do this in ten years time. I don't know how you do it because Salah has just been oh, fucking outrageous as well. Yeah. Salah's first season is as good as as, as Luis Suarez thirteen fourteen in terms of goal scoring. You know what I mean? Four goals. Yeah, it's phenomenal. It's a phenomenal season that he's had. But he hasn't led up. You know, he, he hasn't hit, I, I could be wrong, someone will tell me, I'm, I'm, I'm not arsed with the exact details, but but he hasn't hit less than 30 goals a season since he's joined us, has he? You know, we hit 23, 24 goals Premier League, but I'm talking about... Oh, come yeah, overall, yeah, overall. Yeah. He, he has, he's, a ridiculous, he has a he's a ridiculous return with regards to uh, goal involvements even, um, in, you know, goals and assists compared to games. And we're talking just, about phenomenal finishers. You have to bring Robbie Fowler into the conversation. Ah, oh, what a player. If it hadn't been for, he's the most natural goal scorer we've ever had at the club, or bar none. You know, mm. had it not been for injuries, we would have been talking about him breaking Ian Rush's goal scoring record, probably. You know, he was exceptional. And like, he was my idol. When, when I really started getting into supporting Liverpool, he was just coming through and to watch him play football, that goal against Aston Villa, when he just sends Staunton, I think he fucking puts on his arse and just bends it from 30 yards out or 25 yards. It's just phenomenal. Yeah. It's yeah. Now, Jonathan, I'm going to come to you for the next topic first. And again, to remind people in the chat, the lads have not seen any of the questions in advance, right? So forgive them if some of them slip their mind. Now, the question is Liverpool's greatest ever signing. And there's lots of ways that you can look at this. You can look at what they delivered. You can look at their price. You can take it whichever way you want. Who are the players that are at the top of your mind when you think of pound for pound, Liverpool's greatest ever signing? Ooh, that one is a, that is a tough one. Um, so many different tangents. You can take this off. Um, I think Salah straight away goes into that conversation um, for the amount of goals that he's delivered at a relatively low cost low cost um, price as well and the return has just been outrageous and the guys are right he will be in a couple of years time whenever he does leave and moves on to the next step when we do look back we will be talking to him at one of these legendary um, status players because he's, he's just the involvement that he has is, is just outrageous but then do you, do you, do you look at like what well, Manny, the start of the kind of the the first step of the the Klopp revolution. Do you look at the impact that the likes of Van Dijk has made to, you know, such a the importance that he has and kind of led on to the, the whole the Champions League and the, the two league campaigns. I'm even thinking a little bit younger back, thinking Sammy Hippie was about four and a half million that was, and the the stature that that came on. So many different uh, minds spinning here with different options because there has been so many. I suppose in terms of taking Liverpool to the next level, it's probably the, the obvious one really is Van Dijk because just the way he has, not only his personal performance and, you know, his own personal attributes that he's given towards the team, but the way he rolls everyone else around him. And I've never seen a player kind of intimidate the opposition of much. I remember even last season, the ball it looks like he's turned it right and it's Aaron Connolly comes spinning through and he just kind of pulls his ball on his back and he spins around, loops it up around Connolly's head and just spins out. You can just only go, what the hell has just happened? You think of that, the game away at Wolves where Van Dyke, I think, is at a colder and chest affection all week. There's a 
you know, there's Trory has given him a head start and he just bombs it past him, wins the ball and pushes him out of the way and clears it. I think in terms of, I've never seen a player that have that much class, have that much ability, but just absolutely scare the bejesus out of everyone else around and bring players we saw you know, you take, look, people were saying that, you know, Lovren was inconsistent and next to me he's alongside Van Dijk and he looks like a world-beater Gomez. Everyone said he had too many mistakes in his game, et cetera, et cetera. The amount of players that he brought, the the, uh, the impact that he gave, I think, yes, it's the obvious one in terms of the huge fee, but the impact he has left on the football club is just ridiculous. Yes, there's been other players, but he has come in, he's become the number one position in this world. In the world, uh, everyone kind of idolizes them he, and that impact for me if you're going kind of the impact the greatest sign is I'd probably have on the spot I'd probably have to lean towards my dyke it's funny you see all the, the comments coming in the, in the chat and, and everybody's making a good point Jürgen Klopp Gav it's hard when you when you look at this you know if, if we're talking about transformative effects and I think Jonathan is bang on the money in terms of Van Dyke on the playing field but there's no one that's been more influential in turning the fortunes of a club than, than Jurgen Klopp. Who would you have at the top of your list? I'm a bit hesitant to do this because I, I, I presume we're going to talk managers in the world, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, Kenny Daglish. Um, I think it's easy. You know, Kenny Daglish comes in from Celtic in 77 after Keegan has won the European Cup for Liverpool um, the previous season. Keegan goes off to play for Hamburg, I think. And Look what he's done. He's still fucking there. Like, so, you know, he, he, he's what a player, you know. And, and like I said, I, I'm only born in 82. So, and uh, like the literally my earliest memory in football is, is when he wins the double at, 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 um, at Wembley. But when you what there's so much footage of Daglish you can go back and see because he was a superstar. So, if there was any footage from the day, it was probably on Daglish. You can go, but some of the goals, some of the, so he scores one at Derby. Where do you remember you were saying about Fowler putting Staunton on his on his arse? Daglish does this to a fella at Derby at the baseball ground, and he cuts it. Ball's played into him inside right channel. He's about fifty yards, forty yards from goal, and he just drops the shoulder and let pushes her inside, and he hits this left foot shot from fucking nowhere. And it's if you if you can get hold of it and then look at Fowler side by side, it's it's mad to watch. But what a player he was, and then he just takes over as manager in you know um, eighty five and. He wins a league. He wins the double. He wins another league title. But the biggest thing for me with Daglish is, is Hillsborough. And you know when people talk about Daglish, they do talk about his brilliant footballing career, his managerial career. What an ambassador he is for the club right up until this present day. But the biggest thing for me is Hillsborough because um, he took so much on him. He took so much on him. Watch all the footage. That man is broken. And Wait, he's broken. On him, didn't he? Yeah, he's broken because he's trying to take everyone's grief. And, and take it all on him. And, and he does a really, really good job of it. Uh, well, he takes as much as he possibly can. And, you know, you, you see then not, not long after Hillsbury, you know, after a four, I think it's a four all draw away at Everton in, in the cup. He calls, he calls it a day at Liverpool and, and goes for a break and eventually reappears at, at Blackburn and Newcastle. But he comes back, um, to help us after Hodgson into, in 2010. Um, and he's still there now. So when you look at, not just the footballer, but the manager, the ambassador, and the man that held, in my opinion, held Liverpool Football Club and possibly a city together um, around the most tragic time in, in the club's history. Um, I think when you spread that across those amount of years, those different roles, and how he's even looked upon today, I think it's an easy decision for me. The, the, the best signing Liverpool have made ever made is Kenny Daglish. 
Kenny Daglish, 440k from Celtic, won 15 honours as a player and three as a manager. You've got the likes, Steve O of Ian Rush, 300k from Chester as a yeah. teenager. Look what he went on to do. Uh, I think Jonathan touched on it before. Sammy Hippier, uh, 2.6 million from Willem 2. 450 appearances, two FA Cups, two League Cups, one UEFA Cup and a Champions League. Who's your money on? Oh, it's, it's so tough. Like, yeah, it, the first person that came to my mind was Sammy Hippia, just simply because such an unknown player in our lifetime to to come in and have the impact he did. Um, you can say pound for pound in terms of value, in a way, Philip Coutinho. You know, we signed him for eight and a half. We sell him for 136 or whatever it was. He 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 allowed us to buy Virgil van Dijk and and, and Allison. Um, so there's a, there's a shout for that. Yeah, listen, Kenny Dalglish is, is the answer without question if you take into account, no matter what you say about Jurgen Klopp, the, the impact that Kenny Dalglish has had on this club, in my opinion, is probably, and, and maybe I'll get started for this, probably bigger than Shankly. You know, how they're, you know, it's he's had a stand named after him, but he should have a fucking a statue outside as well. Um, you know, there, there's, there's, a, there's a shout when you look at him as a player, as a manager, as an ambassador, as... You know, an advisor to the to FSG. You know, we we you look at even the the reverence that Jurgen Klopp has for him. He's he's not someone that's got in the way. He's not one of those people that stuck around like a bad smell because of his reputation. He's actually still to this day giving back to the club. And and what a humble man as well. What a man that does not want to take credit for anything that he's done. You listen to him even in his interview the days the, the stand is named after him and he's you know he's referencing the foundation for his wife he's referencing the people at the city he's referencing his family you know he doesn't want to take credit for anything he's done he just views himself as having been a very lucky lad from 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 Scotland who got the chance to play for Liverpool and then just did his best that's how he views it you know and I and I believe that's genuine in how he sees things as a man which is phenomenal because in this fucking modern narcissistic world it's it's absolutely unheard of to come across somebody like him so so yeah he's he's phenomenal if you want to look at then you know play I, I don't agree with van dyke actually as a as an answer because and i wouldn't agree with allison either and, and sorry i'm not meaning to be confrontational about it but they were world record fees for, for their, not confrontational are you steve <laughs> not these days jamie I've, I've mellowed have you mate <laughs> mellowed, I've mellowed. um but yeah like van dyke He's been phenomenal. I, I love him. I absolutely love him the best. But we paid 75 million quid for him. You fucking expect that level or a similar level of impact for him coming in. Admittedly, Man United went out and paid 80 million for Harry Maguire, but that's a that's a different conversation. But but no, like I'm saying, when you break a world record, you're you're expecting something. It's you know, Newcastle expected a, a level of impact from Shearer when they went and spent 15 million quid on him when that was unheard of. And and that's what we got from Van Dyke. Thankfully it worked out and we've got the level of impact that we expect. But when you look at someone like Ian Rush, you look at someone like Kenny Dalglish, you look at somebody like Sammy Hippia, whoever it might be, that came in and were just phenomenal players for relatively small amounts of money. Um, then yeah, that's 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 ultimately, you know, a, a different ball game to the likes of Van Dyke or Allison or you know, when we sign Mbappe this summer. Jonathan, I'm going to come to you and the next topic, and you touched on uh, a game that stood out for you, which is which obviously, obviously the first one that you've uh, you've been to see and Steve, Steven Gerrard had a la- lasting impact on you. What would you class as the greatest Liverpool game? And again, this is completely open to interpretation because I've got about two or three that stick out that might not always be the obvious ones. 
Yeah, the obvious ones to go straight away is Istanbul, of course, uh, or five final. Um, there's been some crazy. So let's say you're into yoga or Pilates, or maybe you dabble in gymnastics like me. Either way, you know being flexible is key to doing what you love. That's why Smoothie King created this stretch and flex smoothie for people like us. With whole fruits and organic veggies, plus type 2 collagen, make it part of your daily fitness routine to support flexibility and joint health. So try the stretch and flex smoothie in tart cherry or pineapple kale. Order online today for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. The ones there, like younger ones as memories, the 540 Wake Cup uh, final elevates in the treble season. Um, that was one of those kind of stepping point mark or kind of the return of the club as well after being in the Dalton for so many years. Um, the FA Cup final we touched on earlier on with Gerard as well is another one of those magical moments. But yes, look, we've been lucky and, you know, in our lifetime and it will continue to be, look at the history of the club. And I think somebody said, which was the greatest game or whatever. And it's the answer, the answer is the next one because it feels like that. It feels like you can never, you can never, one can never get any better than the other. You've, even look at some of the great European nights the last couple of years. You're thinking back the recent ones, Olympicanos and uh, Dortmund uh, to a lesser extent as well, and just in terms of scale of competition. But the Barcelona game for me, in terms of the emotional roller coaster of 24 hours, um, will be very hard to be stopped. And I know it's, it's, it is a different question, as I said, so many nights. But you think back the way we wore it, looked like the the league title that everybody, let's be honest, craved, everyone prioritised over the Champions League, that was gone in the, in the most craziest, weirdest circumstances of that company goal. Um, a one in a lifetime, one, um, you know, a thing that he never did before, will never do again. And a game that looked like it was going to be the moment, looked like Leicester and the, the fairy tales of Brendan Rodgers were going to give us that that draw that we needed to, to hopefully capitalise. And it looked like everything was going to plan. And then you have this such freakish, wonderfully good strike. But in terms of football and um, atmosphere, it's just completely night and day. It didn't really exist in normal football and life, for one for a better word. But it flies in. You have the great scenes. And then you have the roller coaster at the end of the game as well, when Leicester missed that, you know, sitter right in front of the goal. And every Liverpool supporter was just deflated. And you'd obviously had the, the, the tie the week previously as well where the game of the new Camp went kind of freakishly against plan. It was that, that result over there, I'll still argue, didn't really reflect the the the, uh, the game of the football and the two teams the way it was. But we were looked like we were out of the Champions League. It looked like the league had been gone. And even I know even thinking back to myself, I had a crazy red-eye fly. And I was it was one of those moments where you're just slouched and you're like, do you know what, I'm really not arse going to watch us. We're never going to come back against this Barcelona team. You got up and then you know you meet people at the ground and there isn't a buzz. Everybody's kind of a little bit despondent, uh, and then you get in. There's no build up. It's not like oh five with Chelsea where you know it's, a, it's only one nil down or even both Chelsea semi-finals where you know there, everything was tangible. I felt like you you could you could get closer. There's a proper opportunity of of the game being overturned, but then you come in to you come in in the Barcelona game and nobody's really given you a hope but kind of slower slowly so slowly as you come into the stadium you feel you can feel that sense coming and Anfield is loud it's it's like that moment of the kickoff where it, it, it seemed to take an eternity and for some reason it's Coutinho and Suarez over the ball and the whole Anfield is abusing them 
And then there's that chair. Jonathan, you're going to make me want to get my shin pads and my boots on here, mate, and go and start doing yeah. some knee slides out the front. <laughs> that, that, that first charge forward, I think, was Manny drove forward down the left-hand side towards the Annie Road, and a roar that went around the stadium. And then it just kind of, it built it up to no place, if that makes sense. And, like, what? I, look, I'm not going to go through whatever. We don't want Jamie running two foot on us here either side. But <laughs> it, it, it led on to kind of a surreal, I suppose, Almost once in a lifetime performance. When you think about it in the cold light of day, that result should never really have happened. Like you're missing, you're missing Salah, you're missing Firmino, but it it happens. And you know, if you capture one moment, it'd be I can think of back there afterwards. And there's so many scenes, so many side stories. Even Goosebumps even talking about it now. But for me, I will find it hard personally to find a better moment than that in terms of football game. Yes, there's been some better results, probably arguably, but to get like that. It would have been an absolute atrocity if that team hadn't won the Champions League that, that season, had gone season empty-handed. It would have just been uh, un, unthinkable, really. And it has probably, I'm not sure, would we won the league the next time in such in such emphatic way if we hadn't won the Champions League. I think it was that important stepping stone along. But for me, that game will be, when I'm thrown in the moment, that one is always going to stand out. Gav, there was a comment from uh, from Kieran um, a couple of uh, a, a couple of minutes ago when he said Spurs four, Liverpool one, and I know what he means by that because that was the game, that so was the straw that broke. It? Yeah, that was the straw that broke the camel's back <laughs> and changed everything for, for for us. Where do you sit on this one? What game sticks out in the memory? Oh, do you know what? As soon as you said it, like Jonathan says, Barcelona, uh, the four 0 against Barcelona is unreal. Istanbul, the effort. there's loads of them. Um, the two Newcastles. Um, in the mid nineties were were insane as well, but you know what? One I'm going to go for because it, it was at a time. I'm going back to thirteen, fourteen again, but it's at, it was at a time where you were you were trying not to get yourself excited, and you were trying, and you were holding yourself back, and you were holding yourself back, and then I couldn't hold myself back anymore. And it was Liverpool three, Manchester City two at Anfield, um, because we start that game like a fucking train. Um, Sterling puts Joe Hart on his arse if you remember early doors and scores mm. I think Skirtle gets a second and then James Milner of all people comes on and they were good then on. City they yeah they, they yeah, took over didn't they yeah and he, Milner turns around his head um, they get a goal back I can't th- I can't think he gets the first one but the second one is um, a mad I think it might have been an own goal but it was all, the, the ball was all over the place and Mignolet was flapping over him and then it's in doesn't it what just dribbles in that second Yeah, one. just dribbles in. I think it may come off Glenn Johnson. I'm trying to think who gets the fourth one for City. It's a cutback. Silver. It might be Silver. It's, it's a cutback. Cut cut back yeah. Miller on the right-hand side. Yeah, Milner cuts it back and... and, um, and, and it might be, What? <laughs> I said that prick. I never liked Milner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, it's, but then... When just when you think you know, see, you'll take this now, um, because the at the time I think they've games in hand and and they'll take a draw all day, especially after being tuning down. Nicotino scores that goal, and the place fucking erupts, erupts, and um, that was the day I thought we're going to do this, we're going to do, it. and it was the, it was it was the day where, you know. You kind of release emotion because you're, you, it's pent up in you because you've seen so many Liverpool teams since nine um, since ninety. Where you think, you know, oh, could he do something? And I'm even talking the mid 90s, like that Newcastle game, if you remember, that Liverpool were still in the title race that time when they beat Kevin Keegan's Newcastle. You look around them, um, 
0102. They come second, but they're a bit off Arsenal. You know, you move on a little bit and you, of course, you have a way on nine and stuff like that. But this one was the one where you really thought you could let out the emotion and really get on board with it. And it kind of killed me a little bit because when they don't win, when they don't win that league, you go on and you look at 18, 19. I was convinced Liverpool would win the league. And it wasn't even, you know, a, a, a pent up emotion. And it wasn't even a nervousness. It was just, they're so good. That they City will will falter somewhere and we win that league and we didn't but you look what we done last season and um, absolutely made up for it but that game for me there's so many and we could go through them all night but I, I wanted to go for something a little bit different when you answer that question and I think that one there um, despite you not leading to a league title it was it was the one day I do remember watching and it was just when he when when Coutinho scores that just going absolutely fucking berserk um, I was in my mother in laws at the time they didn't have a fucking clue what was going on and. Um, <laughs> They were never all, asked you back since? No, they were all out in the backyard and fucking barbecue or something. I was flinging cans around or sitting around. It was fucking mental. <laughs> but um, I don't even know if she's forgiven me till now. But uh, that was the one where I just thought, you know, this is it. But that will always, despite what it ends up the season being, that one was just, I thought that was a special, special game. I'm going to go for a bit of a mad one, Steve, when it comes to you, right? So, uh, so Gav said, here's a little bit left field. Mine's going to be same season. Uh, same season and Liverpool versus Arsenal. I don't know if you remember it. It was 5 oh, well, 1, yeah. 13 14. It was one of the maddest, maddest first half of football. It, and it, first goal, didn't he? And, and Suarez cracks the fucking bar at the Anfield Road end. Yeah, exactly. Like with the greatest non goal in the history of non goals. Yeah. I, I, I actually remember in that game sitting back and laughing at what I was seeing because it was that good. I think it was storage. He, the ball was played through and then he, he just rolled it past the keeper into pretty much an empty net. And I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I was like, this team are team fucking goal. incredible. Uh, what would yours be? Um, I've tr- I've three actually. So, so there's, there's probably two, two times when I've cried watching Liverpool games. The first one was the, the Champions League final in 05. I was in the submarine bar up on the fucking stage with two bottles of Miller like they were fucking Dom Perignon spraying the ball <laughs> up. Cheap bastard. <laughs> like I was, say, you're a champagne man. What was yeah, up there? I, I wasn't back in those days, Jamie. I he can tell you. He was only 14, he was. <laughs> Michael Schumacher spraying everyone with this shit. Uh, crying <laughs> my lamps out after we won it. Um, the other one was the Barcelona game, uh, the 4-0. And that was probably a little bit different because my dad had only died suddenly a couple of weeks earlier. Yeah. And I'd gone on holiday um to just I'd already had it booked and I just needed to get away and get my head fucking straightened out and whatever else and I was just sitting in in the the hotel room watching this game and it just unfolding I just thought I was watching us getting beaten and I was thinking bollocks you know what I mean sitting sitting down to watch the game at the start that's what my my thoughts were and Origi scores that early goal and it's just fucking hang on a second and then it just second half as it went bing 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 so just emotion got the better of me um but probably, probably one that sticks with me, and it's probably for a personal reason, was the Madrid final. We went over, a few of us, myself, Shawnee, Ray, Dicko. Some Andy, legendary stories have come Andy, back from that, Steve. <laughs> Andy's brother, Mick. And we didn't. We, kn- we knew, we went over with sort of thinking, yeah, listen, we'll buy a ticket, we'll buy one off the touts. And a mate of Shawnee sort of warned us away from that when we were over there because there were so many fakes going. So first night over there, we made our decision that we weren't going to the game. And that took all the pressure off trying to find a ticket and scramble around for one and whatever else. And we went out with the lads from, uh, we went we went to see the Anfield rap lads, uh, uh, Gibbo and, and fucking Neil and whatever else. And that day, that day in that, in that square, I don't know if anybody who's watching this was over there as well. 
It was phenomenal. I've never experienced an atmosphere not not in a ground like it. It was just absolutely hopping from fucking 12 o'clock that day right up to, to basically kick off. And then there's there's some great stories, as you, as you know yourself, about what happened sort of coming up to kick off and getting into the bar and the police shutting the fucking bar down, all that sort of stuff. It just led to a night that went on till seven o'clock the next morning with me and Shawnee talking to fucking some Mexican drug cartel boss and it was just one of those it was literally really quite, honestly it was fucking bananas your man was from Mexico City and he was he was a fucking baller he was a mental boss with, his, with a, this big gang of people with him and everything but it's just it was nearly 24 it was like it was like the hangover in Madrid it was just fucking bananas so for that and the fact that it was finally you know our first cup under Klopp and, and he finally won a you know he, he got a final up under his belt and yeah it was just just a collection of things so so those other two games are have an emotional aspect but that that just for for what it represented and everything yeah i think that i think the the final in madrid against sports wasn't the best match in the world but what it meant to me and what everything that surrounded it was just magic yeah well can i can i tell you a little story about um you're talking about like barcelona you were sitting in a hotel room we were actually in the studio for that game and I th- it might have been a tuesday night because we usually do stuff on a monday in the studio we might have moved to the studio to tuesday because we were playing barcelona and if i remember right it was myself um ray dicko who came over at half time he was trying to listen to it on am radio in his car long wave. His ha- yeah yeah long wave <laughs> 252 but he was trying to listen to it on the way and get over to the studio at half time andy young was there uh, Phil Casey was there, Shawnee Lawson was there, and we went in to watch the game. And um, the, the 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 link we had for the game wouldn't work on the TV. No, lovely big TV in in the studio and everything all linked up, but it wasn't working. It, was, it just kept kicking us right. So Phil said, "Oh lads, I'll put it on my laptop for you." So we literally uh, Phil sitting there with a with a fourteen inch fucking MacBook or whatever. So there's myself, Shawnee, Andy, Dicko. That might have been someone else there, but anyway, we're all watching this on this laptop, right? And about, now, it was half time. We got to half time. It was 1-0, wasn't it? And we're saying to ourselves, right, look, we'll, we try to start the telly. Ah, fuck the telly. The laptop's working fine. We'll just watch it on the laptop once we see it. So, of course, the laptop was gone, but it was stopping every so often and stuff like that. And it was about 15 minutes into the second half. I turned around. And when I looked around, most of us were watching it. Phil Casey was having a full-blown row with the remote control off the big telly because it wouldn't work. Right? So Liverpool, this is unfolding where Liverpool are doing the best comeback you've ever seen in Champions League history. Four of us are pinned around this 14-inch fucking laptop and Phil Casey is still roaring at the telly that hasn't worked for an hour. And he's like, this is a load of bollocks. This is a load of bollocks. And I'm like, oh, we're, we're doing all right here. <laughs> well, oh, it was, it was it doesn't like football. But no. I'll, tell you, I'll tell you the one time the laptop froze in the second half once and it was when she, the ball went from Shakiri, and it was just on with Gina Wijnaldum's head and it froze right <laughs> and I swear to God Andy Young jumped up and went did he fucking score and with that it came back on and as it came back on it caught itself up and it was in the net and we went berserk like literally the lads were booking flights that night but I will never forget Barcelona being beaten at Anfield 4-0 by Liverpool and Philip Casey well I don't know which of the fields but one of them was having a massive route with a remote control off a telly that had not worked in an hour it was outrageous Yeah, I was on the Dicko that night booking. He was booking flights from Dublin, and I was booking them from Greece, and we were trying to coordinate to get over there and everything. Yeah, it was some yeah, crack. It was amazing. 
those days will be back when we can all travel away and have the crack again. They're not far away, lads. They're not far away. Um, So so I'm going to come on to the next topic, right? Because we've got about another... 10 or 15 to get through we're probably not going to get through them all but we've been we've been talking now for nearly 45 minutes right so i'm going to come to you first jonathan um and the lads kind of touched on it a little bit there greatest moments of your time as a fan would you say that it, it would have been those barcelona games or do you think it's when we've finally got that elusive league league title again similar to the last question so many moments um so many personal moments as well. I think that's the thing about it. The guys have 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money. Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. There's different occasions will, will mean different things to different people given what's going on in their life. So that is one of the joys of football bringing us all together. Um, I I think, look, it's a difficult, I think it's in the normal circumstances and particularly the way, I suppose, COVID hit, hit in during the league occasion, that was kind of special. I think it if we're being brutally honest, I don't think it was as special as it would have been had we been going to stadiums, had we having the proper trophy presentation. But on a personal note, I think it is being there in Madrid and seeing that first trophy. Not the greatest games, as we touched on, but the occasion. Like, and you factor in just how good Kiev was as well. Like, what a what a another result didn't go astray. But my God, what a trip! What a trip Kiev was. It was I suppose arguably the trip itself and everything that went was it uh, with Will was probably even arguably better than Madrid if that makes sense despite us um, losing in Kiev Kiev was just just some of the stories from there was just batshit crazy like it's how that ever held a European Cup final I will never know but Madrid and the, that sense of relief and everything that went with it it was it was you could look around and think about flashbacks to behind the goal there at the end of the game you carry in front of us losing these absolute marbles while trying to be working you had people crying on them it wasn't even that was that loud if that makes sense it was more just a an outbreak of just raw emotion from all sides of the ground that were Liverpool war because you, you knew it was come that that was it for the last couple of minutes once Origi got that second goal and you know the scenes from that and you, you knew it was happening you knew the monkey was finally off his back it was hard to remember when the Liverpool won a trophy was before that it was such a lot and so many false dawns and you'd gone into the game hearing all the same nonsense about clock when finally the truth well it was just that raw outburst of emotion that for me will probably a lot of, look, the league is always going to be better in terms of kind of football and point of view, but just emotionally and personally, that being in Madrid will, will be hard to top. Gav, where do you sit on this one? Um, there's loads, and it, it's Istanbul. It's Istanbul. Um, you know, Madrid, like like the lads say, it's it's 
it's Klopp's first trophy and, and he was being battered a little bit, wasn't he, about his record and finals and stuff like that. And and you look where he's gone on from from there. Um the league title is huge. Um although there is a bit of a I'm not saying a shine taken off because we won the league title, but the the fact that they had to do it in an empty Anfield with just um, put on as many fireworks as they could and flashing lights to m- try and make it an atmosphere out of it was a was a pity for the players. Although they still have a Premier League medal and we still we can tell people we we're champions again. Um, but Istanbul, oh, fucking hell! Like you know, you you can go through games where the roller coaster emotions and it was a tight game or we got a last minute winner, you know. I remember going mad in the pub and Smith scores a last minute winner against Chelsea, you know, um two thousand and one or two or whatever it was. Um but Istanbul, Jamie, oh, fucking mad. Absolutely insane. Like I remember I remember the lead up to Istanbul. I'd 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 only bought a house and literally I'd I'd moved into the house probably two weeks before, no, a month before the final, um, probably a little bit more. But I remember going down, I remember going down the pub, uh, I remember toiling the kitchen floor, and my wife um, at the time saying, are you going to finish that floor tonight? I was like, yeah, 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 100%. And then me and my uncle looked, and it was half seven, we were like, Liverpool are playing whoever in the quarterfinal, and off we went. And we went down the pub, and when we came back, locked, and there was fucking, there was uh grout everywhere and we're like doing them on it'd be grand but i always remember the run because i'd only bought the house and then the semi-final i watched at home on my own in like literally a house that i bought and it was like in the middle of painting and flooring and all it was just in the middle of a building site more or less i'm watching the the, the chelsea one and that was insane that was a mad night at anfield but istanbul i said no i'm going out for this i'll go down to the pub for istanbul and what a fucking night i remember sitting at half time and the pub no one left the pub I have to say, no one left the pub. They all stayed, you know, but it was literally standing at the bar ordering points at halftime going, what the fuck is this? Like, the, And thinking, you know, you have to go into work. Well, I wasn't I think I went to work the next morning, but you, you figuratively, you were saying you were going to go into work the next day and United fans were going to be on you and different things. And and just that hour of football, that following hour and a half was just, it was like an hour body experience. It genuinely was. Because I know that, my wife was in the pub, my mother and father-in-law were in the pub, and an uncle of mine was in the pub, and I can't remember any of them being in the fucking pub. I can't remember talking <laughs> to any of them. I can't remember interacting. I can't even remember offering them to want to drink. I just went into this zone. From it's because you never buy anyone a drink. You get the fucking boat. I'm fucking sick buying drink. Um, but it, it's um, it's one of those where when Jared gets that first one, I went into this zone, and I never came over. I never come over until Dudek saved that penalty from Shevchenko. And I've told this story before. Um, I lost my new house keys, my phone, cigarettes, wallet, with all my cards, money, everything. I just came home with the clothes on my back. And my wife was like, you've lost the keys to the house. And you're like, fuck, who cares? We get down tomorrow, we might find them. I'm lucky, I, I found them. <laughs> Some of me smokes, but everything else was, was intact. But um, it was just... Clothes on your back, but your dignity was still in the boozer. Yeah, fucking sure it was. I was all over the bleeding shop. You know what I mean? And I was pouring points out of my head and everything. Like, and proper points, none of this fucking cheap bottles in the submarine um, <laughs> but uh, no Istanbul was just oh, for any Liverpool fan um, of any age that, that can remember watching that it was I, I, everyone had to feel, I had to feel like an out of body experience I had to feel like something that I'm actually not watching this like when you see the three goals go in uh, 
Shevchenko misses that chance. They pin us back. Gerrard ends up at right back. We have injuries, you know, um, and then it goes to penalties and Serginho, wasn't it? It's putting one out of the stadium and, and Pirlo misses one and, and, and Shevchenko misses the decider. It was just, you couldn't believe what you were seeing, especially after what, you, what you'd witnessed in the first 45. So it's absolutely Istanbul. I think the moment that sold it for me on Istanbul was when uh, Dudek saved it with his face. And oh. I kind of looked, I looked at my brother and I went, we're winning this, aren't we? Because I'll be honest, like I'll hold my hands up, call me a bad fan, whatever. I was close to going at half time. My head had gone completely. I was just, I was absolutely. Like you, Jamie. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Flouncing. I'm not even in a WhatsApp group. <laughs> <laughs> Flouncing out the pub. But my brother said to me, look, we've got to stay. <laughs> I've had enough. I'm not, I don't like football anymore. So yeah. I was like, look, I'm going to, going to stay. And my brother sat me down and, I was like, look, there's a pint. Just shut up and behave yourself for a bit. So I was like, right, okay. So I drank my pint and then the first goal went in. He said, see, that gets you another hour. Just sit there, relax. And then it started to happen. And then when when Smeeter scored that goal, I was, I, I remember at the end of the game, I think we mentioned this on, on a, a couple of weeks ago, Gav. I remember sitting outside with my brother, absolutely buckled, yes. sweat dripping off us, sat on the side of the road, on a curb, outside the pub, I think most people are gone at this point. I don't even think we were talking. We were just drained, Shabbat. drained Shabbat. of everything. Steve, is Istanbul the same for you, or is it? Have you got another one? Listen, your three answers have been that fucking long. I can't remember what the question was. <laughs> it was when, totally. was the la- when was the last time you bought me a drink? Was the question? <laughs> yeah, Istanbul. <laughs> um, genuinely, what was the question? It was. What was your, your greatest game? But for saying that, right, we're going to move to, to yeah, the next on, question. Yeah, we've got some we've got some quick fire ones now, yeah, anyway, right? Yeah. And that's that's the thing I think when you when you talk about games and players that mean so much to so many people, there's no way to to, to give a, a short answer. But we're going to yeah, try because we're 54 minutes in, right? So the the next question is for you, Steve-O, and it's which is the greatest player we nearly signed? Ooh. Greatest player. Well, I suppose half of it was bullshit, wasn't it? You know what I mean? We we nearly signed half of the greatest players out there, but we were probably never in for them. So, <laughs> oh, that's a that's a. Some people are going to pop up answers here now, and I'll be like, oh yeah, I should have said that. I should have said that. One that really sticks out for me that we that we missed at the time, and we had him for a little while, was what we could have done with Nicholas Anelka instead of El Hadjouf. Had we just signed him that summer instead of El Hadjouf, that's one. Alan Alan Shearer. There was talk of of us going for him um, uh, when he was at Blackburn. And and that would have been a phenomenal signing for us. I'm trying to think who else. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm actually rattled by that a little bit. And I don't want to spend ages on the because I know you want to try and get through a few. So, yeah, I'm going to say Anelka. For me, it's just like, we, we yeah, somebody, sorry, I see Mohamed said Ronaldo there as well. Ronaldo's a funny one because he was so raw. There's no guarantee he would have turned into the player he is now had he not had those formative years under Alex Ferguson in a successful Man United side that went on. I think coming to us, it might have been a different ball game, you know what I mean, than, than how he turned out at United. So so for me, Anelka, because he came and he did really, really well and I couldn't understand why we didn't sign him. And then we signed that absolute prick, Juff. My most hated Liverpool player of all time is that fucking shitbag. I'm supportive of any answer that means that that shit bag is, is not at the club. So I'm I'm with you on that one, Steve, yeah. for sure. <laughs> Jonathan, what about you? He's frozen. He's frozen. Well, I think that the age old debate was uh, somehow, somehow, isn't it really? He's been a 
we nearly signed him 10 seasons in a row, didn't we? Yeah, I think, yeah, absolutely. Uh, You go back to all the other links that you remember. Younger days, Batistuta was the one that was linked forever and ever as well. Um, as was a different tangent though on the uh, on the Yelahadji Diouf one, and I echo all the causes like how we, he ended up playing for Liverpool for so many reasons is beyond me. But at the time as well, it was not paying. I think it was seventy million pounds to Blackburn for Damien Duff at the time, and what a difference he would have made to us. But also yeah. the impact that he had on in the early days under kind of that start of the Abramovich area under an area I think was assigned by Chelsea and how good he would have been for us and I, I think had we got that right and definitely the Nelka one is another one of those moments but we wore literally I think an Anelka or a Damien Duff away from winning the title back then that's how close we, we could have been but obviously look there's a bit of Irish patriotism involved in as well but Duff was that good Duff could have he went on and tried to get Harry Kewell, a year later, again, the hope that he'd be something similar didn't work out. But the, you look at a team of superstars and that early Chelsea team, kind of, that was the first, I think, season under Abramovich. And you look at all the players that they signed, you know, what, Mutu, Crespo, uh, the list goes on and on and on. Kind of superstar names. Well, yet do off. And I suppose you flip on it with Robin as well, the, the we play that. Mourinho introduced with them as well, but just how good he would have been for us. And look, again, we go back to a bit of Peterism as I touched on there. But the grey Irish team, our Liverpool teams, always had that bit of Irish blood in them as well over the years. And I think we're a bit more proud of that. You just even look at the likes of Keller coming through, making a handful of appearances, how excited the whole country gets again. Stephen to a lesser extent after that, but look at all the famous Liverpool players over the years, your Ronnie Whelan's and the like. I think. I think we really, really missed an opportunity there, and I think it's it's the one stinker out of the kind of the Julier years is that we didn't we didn't make that time that time superstar for us. Gav, who's yours before we move to the quick fire answers? Um, Michael Loudrup is a great show. Somebody put in there a few minutes ago because Michael Loudrup was close to sign of Liverpool and then didn't. Um, Peter Schmeichel. Peter Schmeichel was heavily, heavily, heavily linked with Liverpool and it didn't happen. And he ends up at Manchester United. Another one is Teddy Sheringham, who Roy Evans wanted to bring in and he was told that he he was too old, didn't want to bring him in. That's another one. Duff is a good show because Duff was linked all the time um, to Liverpool. Of course, Ronaldo, Steve was right. You don't know why he's going to turn out, but when you look at Ronaldo now and and the, the, the I suppose the desire he has to be just elite at everything he does, I'd say he probably would have had a fair go at it at Liverpool. Um I, I try not to I try not to dwell on them too much. Um Danny Alves is another one that was linked heavily and beneath is one of them. And that didn't Good happen. Shot. But there's so many down the years but um oh, it's it's hard to pin one, I'm being honest with you. Uh, if I was to pin one I think that would have really got you excited and really brought us to another level. I, I'd probably go Danny Alves. So I've got a couple more on the on the list, right? Just to, and and there's one that's in the news at the moment. Sergio Aguero. Sergio Aguero was a Liverpool fan, and there was a lot of rumours that we were potentially after him. Would you have liked to have seen us take a punt on him, Steve? Who's yours? Yeah, I, I would have absolutely. Um, somebody mentioned it earlier on. David Silva. We were Rafa wanted to bring David Silva for about eighteen months, hmm. and and wasn't given the chance to, and he would have made a massive difference to that Liverpool side at the time. Um, yeah, you know, you're talking about upgrading Vladimir Smith or someone of that ilk 
um, with with David Silva it was it was phenomenal. He was he was he was linked with David Villa at the time as well. Um, yeah, I think I think if Rafa had had the backing uh, financially to do what he wanted to do and bring in the players that he wanted to bring in, rather than maybe having to go for the B or C list players, we would have seen that title come to us a lot earlier than we actually did. I just think every year we got close. Our next year was was an abomination. Attention Social Security and SSI recipients. If you did not receive an economic impact payment for your eligible spouse or dependents, you may need to file a 2020 tax return with the IRS and claim the recovery rebate credit. Go to ssa.gov EIP to see if you need to file a tax return and if eligible for other refundable tax credits, like the child tax credit. That's ssa.gov EIP. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. For, for a long time and now is the first time that you feel okay we've, I, I don't know a single Liverpool fan who doesn't feel confident about bouncing back next season because of Jurgen Klopp and because of, because at the end of the day we could have 500 million quid we could go out and sign Mbappe we could sign this player and that player there's no guarantee they're going to work there's no guarantee that we, we, we overturn City you know we're going to overturn them or anybody else next season based on the way that team pulls together and hopefully a bit of luck around injuries, but but their own belief in themselves and the hurt they'll be feeling this season, and then that will to push on next season. And, and you, you can sign Haaland, you can sign Mbappe, you can sign whoever. I'm not saying they won't make us stronger as a squad, but there's no guarantee going out and spunking hundreds of millions of quid is going to work. Right. So a- we got to to, <laughs> to 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 finish up. Right. We got a load of questions in on the Discord group today. Right. So we're going to do some quick fire now. Right. So first names that come to your head before we we wrap up. Right. The first one. I'm going to start with you, Gav. Greatest Liverpool kit. Oh, um, ninety-five, ninety-six away green and white squares, please. Ooh, retro. I like Deadly. it. Yeah. Who's the first player that you think of when you think of that kit? Michael Thomas. I was, it was, it was a, yeah, okay. Fair, fair. Go on, Steve-O. Macketeer is who I think of with that kid. Your mate, Jason. Yeah, J-O. <laughs> J-O. Right, next one. I'm going to come to you. <laughs> J-O. J-O. Hey, J-O. Hey, J-O. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan, the question for you is greatest song. Jonathan's tip. Are you back with us? Yeah. Um, it has to be the LLA song, just the the uh, the, the impact that has had um, and been sung to death over and over and over again and how it can go on for hours. Yes, we have a lot better um, songs, but just the first one that comes into my head to over and over again, it has to be that one. I'm going to make a special shout here for he's Czech, he's great, he's Paddy Berger's mate. It's Vladimir. I'm I'm sorry, but that is that's got to be up there just for the. So the, is him. Um, <laughs> he's big. He's red. His feet stick out. He's big. He's big. He's big. He's I like Sadio's one. I like Sadio's one. It's just it sticks in my head, and once you get singing it, you can't stop singing it. I, is I'm the, the same. Is that, as, the, is that the um uh is that the one after the when he scores a Goodison, because I love that. Remember he scored a Goodison and um, they were singing Merry Christmas. Christmas and yeah. And, yeah, they sung a Christmas version of it. Um, yeah. I love that. The the one for me, the I think Free World says it there in the comments, the Torres bounce one. 
Yeah, we're going to bounce in a minute. Like that, that for me, if I have to pick, I mean, personal preference because of, of what, what they say and who he is, the Steven Gerrard one was unbelievable. But if I actually had to pick the Torres one, I mean, just the form that he was in and then fans oh. are saying we're going to bounce in a minute. Oh, yeah, Go on, Gal. Um, Maxi Rodriguez one. Oh yeah, yeah. If you go if you go on YouTube and type that in LFC Max Rodriguez song, there's a there's a two minute version uh, at Craven Cottage, and it's phenomenal looking. Well, it's Craven Cottage. Sorry, Jonathan, what'd you say? No, I was just saying that 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 Maxi won at Fulham away under under Kenny at the end of that season. He scores a hat trick, I think. He does, yeah. Five, five one like or five nil. Yes, it's. It's brilliant. Go and watch and it on YouTube. It's sang for about 10 minutes at the end. It was just after all the crap that we had at the start of that season to come back and have that positivity was just is one of those memories that sticks there, right? Right, a couple more, boys, before we finish up, right? Now, the greatest football brain to you, Gav? Oh, well. Player or manager? Oh, good. Didn't even think of that, Steve. Oh, I like it. You can go either. Um, Rafa Benitez then. Uh, oh, so you go in with manager rather than player? Yeah, because I think I think y- you could easily go Daglish has a great brain. You, you know, Moby had a great brain. Um, Alonso had a, had a brilliant football and brain. You know, and, and, and then there's others. But um, Rafa Benitez was absolutely obsessed with football tactically and, and, and the whole mental so- side of it and looking at it and using your brain. And so I'd have to go Rafa Benitez. Steve, oh, greatest right foot. Greatest right foot. Fuck. It's not Andy Young anyway, left foot. <laughs> <laughs> um, fuck. I don't know. I, I, um, I'm thrown by that. If I'd have said greatest left foot, you'd have been able to say Stig in, in Gbionaby and we'd have yeah, all been yeah, okay yeah. with I'd that. Said Rob, I'd have said Robbie <laughs> Fowler greatest left foot. But I think Suarez was right footed, was he? Yeah, yeah, Suarez I, predominantly, right? Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd, I'd pick, I'd pick, uh, I'd pick Suarez. Good shout coming in in the comments there, uh, Jan Molby. Jan Molby's a shout, by the way. Yeah, what a ping he had. Yeah, absolutely. Alonso was outrageous, lads. Yeah, Good yeah, he was. yeah, he was unbelievable. Either foot. Yeah, I, but his right foot in particular, he was just. <sighs> He could, he could do anything with it. Um, not Daniel Day-Lewis anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Day-Lewis. <laughs> Let Christy take it. <laughs> Steve-O's gone. <laughs> right, to wrap up, lads, before this that? descends into, into, into madness, right? We're going to finish. And one word answer. Mm-hmm. The greatest manager in the club's history. And I'm going to come to you first, Gav. Gosh, yeah. Um, It's Bob Paisley. Bill Paisley. Bill Paisley. <laughs> yeah. As, Steve-O's as, giddy as now. You can see it in his eyes. As, <laughs> as he's known in this parish. Um, no, but it's Bob Paisley. It's Bob Paisley, uh, 100%. Steve-O? Yeah, I'm going to agree. Listen, the, the, the fucking trophies. The trophies stack up. It's... It's not even it's the trophies. Did you ever see the big bottles of fucking Bell's whiskey you used to get? <laughs> <laughs> he was out of his face most of the time. He had nine trophies and about 14 litres, of, 25 litres of whiskey <laughs> beside him every season. Oh, he was able to stand up, never mind make decisions. It was unbelievable. <laughs> and he always said he was really laid back. I'm not fucking surprised. You know the gag they were giving him every six months. He was laid back on the fucking ground. 
<laughs> oh, stop. Jonathan, who's yours? Yeah, you'd have to, you know, you can't disagree that. It has to be Paisley. Okay, right. So, lads. Can, uh, I, can I give an honourable shout, though, for, for, for Klopp, though? Because, yeah. like, um, Daglish, you know, I think he was brilliant as a manager for loads of different things, like I said earlier. But Klopp, when you see when you see managers come into this club, like especially when you look at um, like not so much Roy Evans. Roy Evans knew what was going on, you know. And then you move on to Julia, and he tries to he tries to um, revolutionise the club and and its outlook and and the way it carries itself. Benitez was just you know master tactician, and 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 you move on through them and stuff like that. Rogers and the, but they all spoke about you know we need to do this. We need to be here. We and and Klopp just he was better than most of them. But he he was, he was a breath of fresh air because he came in and he went look, yeah you have won a long time forget about it. What what you need to forget and I think one of the biggest things that Klopp done was put a fan base at ease. You know the the kind of the blood pressure dropped a little bit um, when when Klopp came in because he was able to say forget about things. We'll we be here for four or five years. We'll win something. Don't be worrying about it. We'll get on with our business and we'll do well. Um, but it's, it's a, uh, I'd like to give a mention to Klopp because I think he's been outstanding. What's this fucker saying? He's I'm a prick. Man. Sorry, Gav. I shouldn't have put that on the screen. I just, I could not. Veranda cheese. Veranda cheese. Why do people keep, that's, that's, that's a friend of ours. And it's, it's, a, it's a great it. comment to be fair. <laughs> it is a great comment, but he's also the fella that, that had the cling film comment. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Back, yeah. He's one man to be talking about anybody fucking else now, but still. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> comments, comments are absolutely legendary, right, lads? A couple of things to call out before we wrap up. Um, new websites, as we've mentioned on all the shows, uh, a lot of hard work has gone into it. It's been fantastic to see that so many people have been sending in articles. So please do keep it coming. If you want to contribute, you want to be, uh, you want to share your opinion. Um, you know, there's there's no restriction on who can share what. If you're passionate about the club and you've got a story to tell, let us know. Send it to lfcdaytrippers at gmail.com and we'll get it up on the site. Discord, as you've seen us mention, to be honest, I wasn't a Discord user. I am now. It's grey crack. And um, to be honest, there's a lot less dickheads than there is on Twitter. It's all sound people um, basically talking about everything from dance tunes. Uh, we've got dance tunes. We've got uh, UFC. We've got everything you can think of to do with Liverpool. But it's all sound people. So Gav will link that in the description to this podcast. Um, so make sure you click that and get involved. Finally, last thing to call out, you've now seen what the prize will be for the 10K subscriber push. When we get to 10K subscribers, we will be giving away a PS5 to one lucky subscriber. So if you haven't already, make sure you do subscribe. Send the link to a mate to subscribe as well. <laughs> Only fans with Steve-O after hours. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> I'd sign up for that, Steve. I'd love, I'd love, I'd love, do you know what? I'd love, right? If, if we're about to, we're about to end this show and Steve thought we were like not live anymore and just turned around and picked that headboard up and it turns out he was just had to sit against his car. You know what I mean? Sweet backdrop. Back in the shed till next week. Uh, <laughs> Gav, what else have we got coming up this week? Um, what day is today, Jamie? Wednesday. Um, Wednesday. Thursday is Carnage with Grizz. Uh, himself, Avi, Lee Gunner, and uh, 
the, the really sound Arsenal fella as well. Um, Turkish is his name. He's very, very good. Um, so was Lee Gunnar. Absolute head case. So they're going to be doing carnage tomorrow night at 10 o'clock preview on the course of Liverpool and Arsenal. Um, Friday night is the Friday forecast with Chris again looking at the weekend's fixtures and a couple of, um, a couple of, Mad ones thrown in there as well as um as that show has developed over the last couple of weeks with different different angles they're looking at. So that'll be on on Friday and on Sunday. Then we will be back with the uh, back four. Fantastic! I have to echo the sentiments of Jonathan. Thank God the horrible internationals are over. That is correct. Liverpool will be back at the weekend. Finally, to finish, just a quick shout out to footballprizes.co.uk. As I said at the start, amazing Trenton Van Dyke signed and framed jersey. Nine ninety five to enter. Ten percent off at checkout with the code LFC. DT10. There's 125 tickets available. The offer ends next Wednesday, so make sure you do go get involved. That's enough from us. Big thanks, as always, to Gav, Steve-O and Jonathan and everybody else who's got involved in the live chat, whether that's the Discord group throughout the week or engage with us on any of the social media, media channels. It really is appreciated, so do please keep it up. With that, I hope you all have enjoyed the show. Look after yourselves, stay safe, and we will be back with you next Wednesday on the Midweek Fix. All the best. At Capella University, you're in control of your education. With the game-changing FlexPath format, you can set your own deadlines and move at your own pace. The faster you move, the more you save. Visit capella.edu to learn more. When you get a ticket for not wearing your seatbelt, it comes from the police. And from your mother. And your best friend. And your family. We want you to buckle up every trip, every time. Three out of four people ejected from a vehicle in a crash will die. If you won't do it for yourself, do it for us. We like having you around. Click it or ticket. A message from the Michigan Office of Highway Safety Planning. Sports Social Podcast Network.